0: To you live from Columbia, Missouri. This is the Hot Corner with your hosts, Patrick Harrion, Michael Imami, and Logan Franz. One hour of non-stop sports starts right now. And good morning, Columbia! Welcome to another edition of the Hot Corner. I'm your host, Patrick Harrion. Alongside me is Michael Imami and Logan Francis Thursday. October 21st, the year of our Lord, 2021. Look at that. 10-21-21, huh? It's been an interesting week in the world of sports, an interesting week in the in our lives as well, but walking the station today as usual, well,
1: if you don't think it's fall now, you are I don't know what you're thinking because it literally feels like fall. It's still those days where it's, like, really cold. Well, not really cold, but cold in the morning, and then it's, like, it warms up in the midday. So if you're, like, where, if you leave... Wearing sweatpants, you're going to, and you stay out for most of the morning, you're going to wish that you had put on shorts when you left your house when it's about 2 o'clock. That's kind of the um, the point we're at, is where the weather just, you know, it gets up into the 70s in the middle of the day, even though it starts out in the 40s.
0: It, it's it's like that weather where it's cloudy in the morning. It's windy, and it's like, you know what, I just want to sit in bed.
1: <coughs>
0: uh, that's, That's what it is to me. Because there's days... Like yesterday morning where it was kind of darkish, I did not want to get out of bed. That's what I felt like. Yeah. As as the kids say these
1: days, it was a no bones day. I've <laughs> never heard anyone say that, but you, you don't know, know what you, you, do, you don't know the story of this? I don't.
0: Well, it goes it goes to this like 12-year-old pug on TikTok and his owner will he sits in his bed, this little this little pug, right? he'll pick him up and try to stand him up. If he sits, if he continues standing, it's a bone stain. It means you go out and you do your things. If he flops back down to his bed, it's no bone stay. It means he's sitting bed all day. It's the perfect
1: way you know to live life. So let dog tell you whether or not to go to work. Yeah, I mean, I wish a dog could tell me whether or not to go to work. Because I feel like more often than not, he'd tell me not to. So, I I would take that advice for sure.
0: Yeah. Speaking of uh, no-bones days, it it looks like the Red Sox decided to take a no-bones day yesterday after getting slaughtered by the Astros in Game 4, I believe. Game 4 of the ALCS. As of right now, the Astros have a 3-2 lead. And, excuse me, that would be Game 5 then. I can't math today. Meanwhile, in the National League, the Braves are now up three to one over the Dodgers one game away from both teams heading to the world series which will be taking place later on next week. Think so we,
2: what do you guys think? I think we can all be happy about the fact that, you know, the red Sox are down and so are the Dodgers. They've dug themselves in quite a hole. Uh, there's really no excuse for LA to be this behind. I mean, they, they have the pitching, they have the hitting, they have the bullpen. There's really zero excuse for that. I'll tell you what, I was impressed with the with the uh, Astros the other night. I can tell you that they go from losing in that game to coming back and winning uh, and turning things around really quickly. They made themselves very strong in game four. And the other thing is, is game five that came out, they seem to have just taken the lead. 2-1, or a, I'm sorry, a 6-0 lead up in the 6th inning, and they just never looked back. And so Game 5 was a completely different story. They made sure that they, you know, put their fists down and put Boston in their place.
0: Yeah, it's... Excuse me. The Astros yesterday, just kind of like, as you were saying, they just they got the lead kind of in the middle of the game. Yeah. And it's never looked back. Game 4 is the game that, to me, has decided the series as of now. Unless Boston come back and win tonight, I mean, to, I don't, I believe tomorrow, tomorrow night. Yeah, because they're heading back to Houston, which in itself is going to be hard to win at. Yeah, they're they're they've got their back backs against wall. As for the Braves, I cannot help but you know really give them a lot of credit. This uh, especially in the National League Championship Series, they've walked off against the Dodgers twice. Yeah, and now they finally win a game where they don't have to worry about bullpen guys, don't have to worry about. You know, coming back in the ninth inning and winning. So they're in control of their own destiny. I don't know who's throwing today for the Dodgers. I'm assuming it's going to be a all hands on deck game. So don't be surprised if Scherzer gets an inning out there because it's how he is. Or, you know, maybe Bueller's out there as well. It's going to be one of those kind of games because 3 to 1, and again, you know, the Braves have been here before. Didn't mention, you know, a couple years ago, either last year or the year before, the Braves, <coughs> <coughs> excuse me, the Braves, uh, Had a 3-1 lead, and they've blown it in the championship series. So not out of the question whether or not the Dodgers can pull off a three-game winning streak with, you know, so many games, to five, three games to play left. So it'll be interesting to see how they play tonight. That's what I think.
2: Yeah, and Bob Nightingale... And I know this guy from Phoenix, this, you know, I like him, but this guy is being kind of a fool right now because he said in his latest column, he said, quote, sorry, not a soul fell for the act. It's over. Uh, I would not say that there is still some left to be played in this series. Remember, Mr. Nightingale, you need four wins in a seven game set to win. And we have seen it happen once before. And. I would not be surprised if the Dodgers would be that team to try and pull that one out because largely due to the fact that they have the staff to make themselves into a team that can round themselves up to come back down three to one in a series. Oh, the
0: Dodgers are definitely made up to be a team that win a world series. Now I don't but think anybody would expect injuries this. right now.
2: Oh no, I know that. But i nobody expected this to happen. And the other thing is is they have so much depth on that roster between who they have and who they've received via free agency and the trades that i think they're going to be fine if they continue to stick with it however i think the mental aspect of this game was just so frustrating going into last night that as of right now it's been a tough stretch for them so yeah the momentum's with the braves but i think all the dodgers need to do is win one more game and I think they win the series because once that carries over and they get themselves fired up, boom, they got it to the rest of the still two seven. more games. I know that, but what I'm saying is I think the Braves, if they're going to close it out, they got to do it right now. Right here, right now. I, I would Van Halen say, music starts playing.
0: I would say they, they're in control of their own destiny. If they don't win, win tonight, then I think there's a good shot of them winning you know, on, on, on Saturday. I wouldn't say if they
2: lose tonight, it's over.
0: Like your crew kind of thrown out
2: there. I mean, I wouldn't say it like that, but I would also say that if they lose tonight, a lot of their momentum gets killed on the fact that they've moved towards a process in which they're sweeping this team, or not sweeping, beating this team in a three set of games, which their momentum had moved them. So, L.A. needs something to cheer about. A win tonight would certainly do that. And if they go off of that, they can have that carry into the next two games. So, what I'm saying is is L.A. is the last team that they need to get hot. No, I know that. But L.A. is the last team that they need to get hot right now. It really is.
1: How many times do you see a team go, you know, it's 3-1 in the series they bring it to three two but can't close it out. Like I think I think I get what you're saying with the momentum argument, but I think it can just as easily go they win the one game and then just you know, the Braves
2: take in games. They'll be going back to Atlanta. They'll
1: be going back to Atlanta after.
2: Okay. I understand it. I'm just saying that I think if you're going to drop a game in a three game set the last person you want to give momentum to right now is a team as stacked as Los Angeles. That's just my opinion.
0: I, I would say if you're if, if you're going to travel back and play in Los Angeles for the last two games, I'd say yeah, there'd be some issues. But the Braves are heading back home. If they if they lose tonight, <clears throat> if I never get my voice to sound correctly, if the Braves lose tonight, <clears throat> Jesus, they'll be uh, they'll be able to go home, sleep in their own beds, and you know have a little sense of okay. We lost the night before. We're at home. Let's close it out now. As for Dodgers, I mean it's you can throw out the whole travel day thing in there, and I don't think that's as big as a deal as it used to be anymore. But still, they're not gonna they don't have the, the comforts of home like they have in LA. I feel like it'd be a lot harder to win two games in Atlanta than it would be to close it out of your home st- then than to have to do that at your home stadium.
2: It'd be a hell of a lot easier if you were at if you were in LA for the last two games. In a division series. And in the championship series, or excuse me, in the wild card game and the division series, if you stack them up. Okay, Dodgers home, two and one, away, two and one. That's the playoffs right now. They can win games on the road. They've done it. They can lose games at home. They've done it. And so that's what we're looking at right now. Now, if we go back to the regular season here, if I can pull it up here. We noticed that the Dodgers also perform pretty well on the road. Remember, they had a 53-game stretch where they were nine and one on the road. OK, in August. They were nine and one on the road in August. They were nine and seven on the road in September. Now, they did perform down the stretch overall collectively as a roster. Their win percentage went down as the season progressed on the road. Now, the home record continued to fluctuate a little bit, but it went upwards as the season went on. Uh, In October, they had just three home games, and they won all three of them. But particularly in that July-August standpoint, they performed very, very well on the road. Very, very well. There was was a 10-game set where they won nine of those 10 games. All of them were on the road. They didn't need a single home game to win. They lost two home games. They won that nine out of that 10-game set on the road. So, to me, the Dodgers are just as threatening on the road as they are at home. That's what I'm looking at right now. So, it's it's a situation of, okay, is this team going to be able to close this thing out? Or can L.A. rally behind their troops and be able to take the last two games in this set? My answer is they absolutely can and with a guy like Max Scherzer on the mound and Udias and just the, the, the amount of depth that they have in the bullpen and the bats that they have at the plate, particularly with Cody Bellinger being able to swing again, which we've seen in this series time and time again, we know that this is the type of team that can come back down in a game. We saw that this is the type of team that can come back down in a game, down by three runs, four runs, whatever, on one hit and be able to work themselves back in a series. So, to me, this is the last team you want to give any piece of momentum to at all, at any standpoint.
0: It's I mean, If you're really looking at it right now, throwing for the Braves will be Max Fried. In yeah. the postseason, he has a 1.5 ERA with 14 strikeouts and no walks in 12 innings. Yeah. As for Dodgers, Dave Roberts doesn't know if it's going to be a, quote, bullpen game, which in my opinion would be the dumbest thing possible to do in this situation. Or... Whether or not till they'll, they'll start someone else. Now the Dodgers will be also without Justin Turner at third base. He got hurt last last night. He has a hamstring injury. We understand. So yeah, right now the Cards are stacked against the Dodgers. In my opinion, they're stacked against them. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to go against a, a pitcher who has had a great career in postseason so far. Over, I mean, excuse me, over this postseason. Now in Game One, Fried also pitched against the Dodgers. So this will be the second time they see him. Two runs and in six innings and five strikeouts in his first start in the championship series. If he's able to replicate that, and assuming the Braves are able to keep the hitting that they had yesterday, I've got the. It's hard to say the Dodgers have a chance. Not every. Not every of course, they have a chance, but I've got to be pulling hard for the Braves tonight.
2: Oh, I mean, I, I don't think anybody I know is rooting for. LA I don't mean right by, now, like. I
0: don't mean by that, but I mean like. It's the, the it's be really hard for me to see the Braves lose this game.
2: No, but the thing is is it depends on who the Dodgers also start because if they trot Max Scherzer out there, which they've certainly been prone to do especially on short rest. Last game Scherzer pitched was Sunday, so they have his arm ready f- f- with 5 days rest, 4 days rest. So they trot Scherzer out there, they most certainly can in fact be able to maybe pull this thing off. Now the question is is how is Scherzer going to look? And we kind of know off of the first pitch how Scherzer, what the kind of day is going to have. I think it's unfair to, to determine that, though, because we've seen Scherzer, when he doesn't have his stuff, the bigger the situation is. And I remember we discussed this with our roommate, Ben, in the seventh inning where he has like 105, 105 pitch count, and we all say this is where starters typically get worse. This is where Scherzer gets better. He's the most dangerous <coughs> pitcher. We've seen in baseball right now, largely because of that 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 trait, that anomaly that he has. So it depends on who they trot out there. If they trot Scherzer out there, I mean, and you and you know that guy is an absolute psychopath. I know Max Freed is is like his ERA is, is ERA's low, he has 14 Ks. He's had a solid solid postseason here for Atlanta. I personally think that if the Dodgers do that, it's going to be really hard for them to contend with. It it you heard it here but first. They have all Dodgers the World offense. Series champions. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. But they have all the off. I mean, yeah, they they lose Justin Turner, but you know Bellinger, Turner,
0: the uh, other Turner
2: trade. Uh, yeah, excuse me. Why is my br- my brain is is foggy, right now? Yeah, uh, you know Trey Turner, which, as you well know, broke my heart to see him leave the D.C. metro area and head to Los Angeles. You know. Seeger, Muncy, you know, it's it's the the list goes on and on and on, you know, but that that to me is what is with the core core of the success rate of where Los Angeles is. It comes with their depth. It doesn't come with, you know, who is starting, who's not starting. Yeah, that, you know, losing JT is going to be a tremendous loss. Max Muncy
0: is not playing, by the way.
2: um, Excuse me, Max Muncy out as well. But, you know, with these guys out there, it makes them seem like it's a huge loss. But the fact is, is that with the core depth that they have and the depth of their bench that they have, I mean, you have Albert Pujols just sitting around. He's old. I know that. But at the same time, it's Albert Pujols. I mean, he's old. Not man. many people can say that.
0: You can throw out there and say, "Well, the Cubs hit his last
2: hit. The Cubs hit in had, the series. Uh, it was a good hit. It was a flyout." But he... Ben
0: Zobrist in his last year, he was like what 30, 35, 36? It's like, yeah, you do, but is he? It's not the same Ben Zobrist that was in the Rays, or even back in twenty sixteen. You can throw out there they've got Albert Pujols, but in reality, he's just an old man at this point.
2: Yeah, well, that old man went out there with a cane and he hit a very, very deep, deep ball. In right center field, that was caught, but I think the I think it's fair to say the old man still got it. I mean, they got a fun group of guys.
1: I like the imagery of an old man just coming out there and like instead of a bat, he's actually swinging with the cane. Yeah, like.
2: but uh, you know what? <laughs> I, I I just think that it's one of those situations where there's a lot of ta- there's there's too much talent on this team for them to fail right now, and that's a very dangerous thing to say because you know what the reality of it is is they're a little flustered right now. They're a little flustered with their performance that they had. But it just takes one one quick segment for them to gel. And once they do that, and that's why I think Roberts is going to pull a rabbit out of the hat here, unlike rabbit out of the head. Usually what Jason he does Whitten. is They're try gonna, to be the smartest guy in the room big and old fails. knee brace on. And he's going to go out there and if he trots Scherzer out there, I think the Dodgers win this game. But, you know, I've been wrong on this show before, most notably again calling you out Niners Eagles but to me this is a situation where I can't wait to see what the decision is
0: I've I've I mean before we cut off the break here I've got the Braves win this one I'm not I don't do score predictions because it's stupid but I've got the Braves win easily in this one in my opinion that's right that's where I've got it at
2: yeah if Roberts makes this a bullpen game I certainly think so I think we'll be close either way either the momentum carries with the Braves all the way through this game and I think they're going to win game five and take the series
1: I've
0: got the Braves taking the series as well. All right. We're going to take a short break. We come back. The big three games of the week in the National Football League, also known as the NFL. All this and more in hot corner on KCU 88.1 FM and KCU.FM. Over the past year and a half, you may have spent more time with the youth in your life. But have you really been connecting? October is
1: Let's Talk Month. So take this opportunity to connect with the young people in your life using Connect With Me a free resource from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services.
0: Head to health.mo.gov connect or follow us on social media for conversation starter cards, resources, and weekly activities.
2: This message brought to you by the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. A ranger station. I'd
1: like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me.
2: So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good.
1: Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status
2: update! I'm going to let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokyBear.com.
1: Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. And
0: welcome back to Hot Corner here. We're going to go to our... One of our best segments, the Big Three Games of the Week. So, Logan, give us an update on how we're doing and how many points I'm behind Michael and you in the last place. So,
1: go. Well, so, none of us got our upsets, which is the best place to kind of recoup some lost points. But also because you and Michael picked all the same for the um, Big Three last week, you are still tied. You both have nine points. Um, I obviously went against you on both, so I also got one game right, and picked, and so now I have 15 points. So we all gained a point. Standings are all the same, all that. It's just you different. It. It's just different numbers now. So yeah, as it. as usual,
0: I'm I've been last. i have always been in last. I think all, all the years we've done this.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can say you're tied for last at the very least. So Michael, we're there. we're in the cellar together. How does that feel? We're tied
2: for second place, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs>
1: I mean, it's all a it matter still of perspective,
2: lasts. right? <clears throat> it's still last at this point if you're tied for second place. You're the first. You're the last.
0: My everything. <laughs> all right, anyways. First big game we're going to talk about here the Chiefs and the Titans. Chiefs are decent. I don't know. I don't, this is this team I've got so many questions about. And the Titans, who've lost to the Jets, mind you, and now beaten the Bills. So, again. Two teams. I, I like the Titans a lot. I can't help but be a big fan of, you know, Tractor Cito. But at the same time tractor, with the Chiefs. Yeah. That defense just so Bad.
1: Yeah. For one, I don't want to put too much stock into that Titans loss to the Jets because they were short AJ Brown and Julio Jones, which is a major part, which are major parts of their offense. Yeah, but they still lost Jets. Yeah, but when your number one receiver is Josh Reynolds, what do you really expect them to just do? Hand
0: the ball off the track receiver the whole game? They can easily won that. Yeah, the
1: you know, Jets put the eleven men got in the 50 box. Yards. Yeah, I mean, if it's... you can just put eleven men in the box that's all it's gonna take
2: yeah i mean it's as 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 much as we love to watch tractor cedo and and i really believe that tractor cedo is is the greatest i mean he's he's the greatest the great but the thing is is that when you are in a situation like that if the, i mean it's not like the jets don't have a bunch of 250 pound guys i mean i i know we'll all like to believe king henry's unstoppable but he's not i mean in a situation like that they know they're not throwing it. They know Tannehill's having a bad day, and you're throwing a Josh Reynolds <laughs> as your number one wide receiver, and you win and you lose the game by like three points. You know it. It's not. It's not that bad. I mean, it's really not. I mean, you, you know, just scream out in the stands. Depth chart. But the other thing I wanted to point out, Patrick, is the Chiefs right now. I know it was against Washington. 31-13, to 13. the defense played solid in my opinion. I think Kansas City's offense is the main thing. They turn the ball over three to four times a game. Unacceptable. Pat Mahomes leads the league in interceptions right now. Very surprising as to how bad of a start they've gone. But I think that game, and Ben and I, are, who are our roommate folks, talked about this. This was the game I think that they rebounded. Because as much problems as they had, I think they just needed one win where they could kind of get together and gel a little bit. And now they can go forward to cleaning it up. I know the Andy Reid interviews, he was very optimistic. He said that it was now time to move forward, as Andy Reid is prone to be saying a lot. But this was the game that he said where he's confident he can move forward and just never look back. And so as of right now, I can see Kansas City going on a bit of a win streak here, largely because of that being the game where they finally rebounded. They they came out, they got a good win, 18 points, blowout. Uh, against a team that they really should have blown out from the start. They played very poorly in the first half. They came back in the second half and they held true to their name. Nobody plays better in the third quarter than the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, they really have that defense does need to solidify especially against the team that boasts you know Julio Jones, AJ Brown, who knows if they'll play. They've been questionable every week this season. But and then of course Derrick Henry up the middle. So if you can the thing with Derrick Henry is he gets better as the game goes on and I think the same can be said about the Chiefs. Yeah, as true. a team, they get better as the game goes on. So it's going to be interesting to see if if they can keep Derrick Henry at bay in the fourth quarter, because that's when he really shines. If they can do that, then that's going to be a big key to this game.
0: Yeah, it'll, it'll be important to see. I mean, for me, it all comes down to whether or not Julio Jones will play. Those two wide receivers make or break the Titans. Now, I've thrown out there a Jets loss, but still... The Jets are such a horrible team that even losing to them without your two best wide receivers is still kind of, you know, disappointing. Yeah, but because... I think if you look at the talent it's, it's, level there, then it really does it's deplete.
1: The, it's the Jets, man. Yeah, but when your offense is that predictable, you know, the defense doesn't need to do much to be able to stop them. That's, Which, why, the, that's why the Titans are so good, because they have a decent enough passing attack to supplement Derrick Henry.
2: Yeah. yeah, if I just slashed your receiving core of basically having guys that... But the
1: Jets are
0: so terrible. But, Come on. I
2: mean, I know that they, they're They deserve the a little
0: bit of, like... I'm not, know,
2: Okay, I'm not going to be the laughter. type of guy that's going to sit in this studio right now and go, you know, man, the Jets really aren't that bad. They are. They, they stink. They're horrible. They're awful. But look at this loss for a second. Zach Wilson wins the game in overtime on a game-winning field goal, and we've had some arguments where OT wins don't necessarily show uh, who the best team is not just because both teams have the opportunity to possess the ball. I still think if both teams have the opportunity to possess the ball. It is still can be unfair, largely due to field position, because in college football, over time, your offense controls the tempo of the game. And that, in my opinion, I think is what should be in the NFL. It's not. Um, but if we get kind of a recap of that game, we can see here, Ryan Tannehill was forced to do a lot of things that he wasn't really comfortable doing with a depth chart that was so depleted and so destroyed in that game that it was almost unfair. I mean, it, you, had to, you had to look at the Jets maybe winning that game because it was a situation where you said, Josh Reynolds right now is the reason why they've managed to put up 24 points. And even for the Jets, that's terrible, even if they won the game.
1: Yeah, it was Chester Rogers and Josh Reynolds getting yeah. most of the targets having at wide having your so. wide receiver Corby out. It's not excused the defensive play. Sure, the defense has always had problems, but I mean, you, when you look at what the offense can do to supplement that, because I think you're focusing a lot on this loss to the Jets, but you're neglecting to note the fact that they beat the Bills, which many consider to be one of the best teams in the NFL. I'm just saying. So I, 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 I gave, think it can I go both given ways. Them
0: credit for beating the Bills. I just laugh at the Jets' loss because it's a bad loss. It's a really bad loss. Yeah, it's a
1: bad loss where they were kind of undermanned, and I mean, I don't think it's just excusable and you can just cast it aside, but they've shown that they're a better team than that.
2: You know, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones accounted for more than 150 yards in that Bills game, and that just goes to show you, Henry had 143 yards. Tannehill had 216 yards in one pick, but the thing is, is you talk about the dual threat ability, not what I'm talking about in terms of a quarterback play. I'm talking about in terms of the rushing attack and the receiving attack. When the other team knows what's coming, this is going to sound so elementary and stupid, but it's the truth. When the other team knows what's coming, it's pretty easy to stop. That happened in the Jets game because they said, oh, we don't know if Derrick Henry... We know that they're going to try and give the ball off to Derrick Henry because it's not like Ryan Tannehill has any options in the passing game. And they forced Ryan Tannehill to do things that made him uncomfortable. And it ended up paying big dividends because Ryan Tannehill doesn't drop back and pass that many times in a game.
1: Yeah, he take doesn't. a guess how many times Derrick Henry handled the ball in the Jets game. Keep in mind it did go into overtime. It
0: used to be like 28. 15. 33. That's kind of close. And he
1: did he did have a good game. I'm looking at the numbers right now. He had 157 yards and a touchdown off of those. So he had a great game. He had a Derrick Henry-like game. But that passing attack. I
2: know he played that well.
1: Yeah, it's it's it was surprising when I looked at it too. But that passing attack just was not able to get anything going. Ryan Tannehill had one touchdown, and you know he threw thirty for forty nine for only two hundred ninety eight yards. So, yeah,
2: and was sacked seven times as well.
1: Yeah, that's a big thing as well. Uh, so,
2: but the thing is, is and actually the leading receiver was Jeremy McNichols. Mm-hmm, he's a rimbic, uh, with yeah. seventy four yards. Just you know, or yeah, you want to call leading receiver, but I mean you could yeah. tell. They, they threw a lot of screens. Um, you know, it, it 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 was a situation where, you know, you had to look at the play dynamic the way they had came out of the gate, and that was just a situation where right now, if you're throwing that many screen passes, you know that you're not comfortable.
1: Yeah, it's a tough game plan when you have you know your guys may be participating at least limited in practice, and then both of them are out. Yeah, where you kind of got to adjust your offense on the fly, and I think all that played into. The Titans not performing like the Titans. We expect them to be. But I think, you know, if anything is supposed to inspire confidence, it's going to be that win over the Bills. Yeah. All right. The Chiefs are a five and a half
0: point favorite as of betting lines of last night. It's be. I feel like it's going to be a chalk game around the board. I've got the Chiefs winning this one.
2: I've got the Chiefs winning as well. Or excuse me. I have the actually the Titans winning. Oh. I apologize. Titans are at home. So I have the Titans winning this game. But yeah. anything can happen.
1: Yeah, I put in my notes here that I'll do a lot of things. Picking against the Chiefs in a game I expect to be a shootout isn't one of them. I think that offense is just too high-powered, so I'm taking the Chiefs. All right, our next game of the week is the Bengals at the Ravens.
0: Or Bengals and Ravens. Battle of the former Heisman winners. The Burrow-Chase connection has done wonders for the offense. But there's still some little question marks about this team and their capabilities and whether or not they can continue at the pace they've been playing at. As for the Ravens, Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson, as we all know. He's a great quarterback. He can run the ball. You've shown him that he can pick a pass now. It's one of those people who said he's just a running back who doesn't pass. Well, you're wrong. And, of course... The defense has been pretty good for the Ravens as well. So, as usual, the Ravens are pretty good as they have been the last few years. As the Bengals, they're the big surprise, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I think the Ravens are a top-five team in the NFL, and I kind of feel bad that we only talk about the Bengals when they're playing a really good team like we do with the Packers. But I think they do deserve some credit for what they've been able to put together. Obviously, like you said, they still have some questions. That offensive line is still a huge area of concern. But they've been able to put together a 4-2 record, and they look... They look good. I think the jury was out this year on Zach Taylor, whether or not he can kind of bring this team into um, what he wants them to be. And I think I think he's done a pretty good job of that so far.
2: Yeah, this is an interesting game, I'd say, for two reasons. It's basically just, you know, Lamar Jackson right now, I, you know, he's the most fun quarterback to watch. I know, Logan, you and I have a habit of when our teams are not playing uh, at the current time, we Watching kind of toggle between Ravens games. And, I, you know, I, I don't know if it's just me with the DMV. I mean, I know Washington fans hate Ravens fans because there's kind of a bit of a rivalry going on there, which I find rather interesting going back the last 25 or so years. But I think the main thing is, is Lamar Jackson is just, I mean, the guy is a wizard. I mean, it, you know, you never know what he's going to be able to pull off. Uh, the guy throws on the run. He throws off his back foot. He makes those plays. He's able to make him look good when he's doing it, you know, he never goes down. He kind of reminds me in a situation of where, you know, he's like Randall Cunningham times 25. I mean, it, this is this guy, it, you know, encapsulates the perfect running quarterback. And not to mention, we all talked about how much we were laughing at the, oh, well, Lamar just runs the ball, and then he throws for like 500 yards last week. Those losers that were saying that Lamar has no business being a passer in the NFL had a really bad day that Sunday afternoon because I can tell you right now, granted it was against the Lions, or excuse me, I apologize. It was against a team that Lamar Jackson was able to play well against, that being the Colts on offense. It was a bad situation for all those fans because seeing Lamar do what he does best on top of having a strong passing performance that we all know he has in his back pocket, um, you know, ended up proving the point that we've all been making for the last two and a half years that this guy's got an arm too. Yeah. And he deserves to be there. I
1: think the point that everyone was making about this offense and something that I was concerned about with it as well was the wide receivers and they drafted Rashad Bateman, who obviously started the season off on IR. He debuted last week, but even without him, they were doing just fine. All of a sudden, you know, um, Marquise Brown comes to life and Mark Andrews is, you know, Mark Andrews. And it just kind of that, it sparked, you know, something in that passing attack where it just actually started producing and that was something that we've been waiting for it to do and you can argue that it's because Lamar Jackson started throwing the ball a lot better. You can argue it's because, you know, Hollywood Brown's finally, Hollywood Brown finally got his hands even though he still has dropped a ton of passes this season. So it it's really weird that it just, even without Rashad Bateman, they just started playing better kind of out of nowhere. So it's, it was a great thing to see to get that wide receiving core, you know, back up to speed. And it really did help Jackson help this whole team. Really?
2: Yeah. And you know, it's, it's a trust factor. It really <laughs> is. It's the trust factor. I, you know, not just because Lamar Jackson's name is big trust, but this offense also trusts him. And that's the main thing. It's like Lamar Jackson having 62 yards, rushing Mark Andrews, having 147 yards, receiving, Marquise Brown just behind him with 125 yards receiving. That is a phenomenal stat. Line. I don't even know if people are looking at that and are saying, Wow, 125 yards. Like that is a 125 yards receiving. That is your second best receiver. Second best. I mean, that's and that's insane.
0: The Ravens are a six and a half point favorite. Massive, massive favorites over at the
1: Bengals. If you're not going with the Ravens here, I don't know what you're doing.
2: They're at home. They're playing the Bengals, I'm going with Baltimore.
1: Yeah, I, like I said, I still want to give the Bengals credit because I think they've had a a really good season so far in a season that not many people expected. But I like it I said, a little bit, yeah, yeah. But like I said, the Ravens are a top five team. I'm going with the Ravens in this one. Our third game of the week is questionable at best. Questionable.
0: Saints and Seahawks. Yeah, Gino be Smith taking week. over for Russell Wilson, and of course, yeah, famous Jamin's and the Saints. It's a deep ball or it's nothing. <laughs> This game, Seahawks, the Legion of Whom, as Logan called them, <laughs> at
1: defense is abysmal. I, it's 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 a Saints game here, man. Yeah, I trust Metcalf and Lockett so much less with Geno Smith at quarterback. I think they're able to produce when Wilson's there for obvious reasons because he's Russell Wilson. And But when you kind of take away some of the dimension that he brings to this offense, especially with Chris Carson injured, the rushing attack isn't really a threat. You can just drop back, keep, you know... Disguise some coverages. Gino's not a great quarterback. He's not going to be able to um, to read those. And then you know he can't really rely on the running game because Alex Collins and Travis Homer are your top two running backs. So where you kind of go from there is a mystery to me. So
2: it's a mystery.
1: A mystery. I don't know the the offense is a mystery. I mean maybe the Legion of Whom can solve the mystery of the offense of the Seahawks. Whom? The Legion of Whom? Huh.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a Saints game to lose here. Yeah, when you have Geno Smith out there,
1: it's like okay. All right. Yeah, and the Saints are getting healthy. They have Quan Alexander, Marcus Davenport, and Traquan Smith eligible to come off of injured reserve this week, and they play on Monday night. So a long week to kind of get some of these guys healthy and just, you know, really um load up your team for the marquee matchup with Geno Smith's Seahawks.
2: Yeah, hey, I wanna I wanna say something. Go for it. Okay. I know we all kind of make fun of the fact that Geno Smith started for this team. He looked better than Russell Wilson did the previous week. I'm just saying. I know it was the Rams. Yeah, but I, but I also think – You know, it's just, to me, he had like 219 yards. He didn't turn the ball over. He was sacked seven times. That O-line stinks. You know, it's just a matter of being able – what you can handle, what you can deal with. And I know he lost the ball in the last play of the game. They should have had the opportunity to really come out there and win that game. He turned the ball over. He should have done that. They hung pretty well with Pittsburgh, and I was a little bit surprised about that because Pittsburgh is not an awful team by any stretch of the mind. I know but they're, they're three, not and good. three, but I, you know, but Pittsburgh, I think, is a good is a good way to gauge where you are right now as as how you compete. You know, I don't think they're a great team. They beat Buffalo.
1: I think the Saints uh, are better
2: than the Steelers. I, I mean, I think so too, but I, I just think that you know Pittsburgh is not you know a pushover. They're not. I think that they have they lost to Green Bay, they lost to Cincy, they lost to Vegas, they beat Denver, but I just think that right now, a three-point loss to the Steelers is not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, they're
1: a middle-of-the-road team. I just see the Saints as also a middle-of-the-road team, and I think if you yeah. lose to Pittsburgh, you're probably going to lose to New Orleans. Also, I do just want to point out in that Thursday night game, there was, you know, the story of that game was Russell Wilson, is he hurt, kind of that whole deal. So there was a lot of that game where he was playing hurt even before geno smith came in so i think that's yeah. just something to keep in mind when you say oh well geno played better than he did that night he was injured for most of that night so i think that's something to keep in mind i,
2: mean, I think not having russell wilson at any point is a, is going to be a disadvantage for you it's just exactly. my my philosophy to see how they respond to that
1: saints are a
0: four and a half point favorite in the game i've got the saints winning this one so i've gone talk in every single one of these games
2: i'm gonna saints win. i'm gonna go with call me crazy I'm gonna go with Seattle in this game. It's not my upset pick, but well, you can't to...
1: double dip on the show.
2: No, I'm not gonna do that. I'm just gonna say I think Seattle has a good chance of winning this game. I'm gonna go with them.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's gonna be like a blowout by any stretch, but I think we're gonna see similar results that we saw last week against the Steelers. And because of that, I'm taking New Orleans.
2: And we gotta wait till Monday night for this one, folks. Wait,
1: I don't think I'll be waiting <laughs> for this one to go on.
2: Wait, no, day. For I was waiting Monday for no night. Pun intended.
1: All right, now
0: it's time for my favorite part of this segment, the upset pick of the week. As you know, I have not picked an upset correctly this entire season so far. And you know what? I'm probably not going to be right this week. So this one is the Jets over the Patriots. It's the battle of the rookies that the Jets can beat a Titans team that, according to Logan, was not too up to speed, which they weren't, but still, they did beat them. They can beat the Patriots, who have been underperforming as well. So Jets, seven-point dogs in this one. I think it is Robert Saul's second win as a head coach.
2: Yeah, not a lot of games uh, on this Sunday afternoon, which is quite surprising. I don't even think we have the Octobox possibility here on NFL. It might not Red be. Uh,
1: it's it, There's a lot of teams on by. And yeah, there were a there lot are of teams one, with. Two,
2: three, four, five, s- five teams on by. And we have that obviously. That doesn't have, make sense. Uh, it has to be an even number.
1: Otherwise, someone's.
2: Jags, Jaguars, Vikings, Steelers.
1: That's four, isn't it?
2: Uh, that's I think you just five. mentioned four. Look at this.
1: That's weird. Okay, we don't need to get too into that, but I feel like there has to be a six team on bikes. There's 32 teams. That's it, If yeah. five teams aren't playing, there's a six that's not playing. But anyways.
2: It's very strange. I, I mean, we Steelers are playing. They're just not... Oh, no. They are on by week seven. That's... It's, God, this is, this is a weird-looking schedule. Anyway, I, I digress. Uh, I'm going to go with... I really don't want to pick the Eagles here because... I don't want to see Philadelphia win. I'm going to go Colts over 49ers. I think that Pat's giving me the the look, TM. I'm not giving you the look. I got Over there.
0: there. I, I am the last person to be giving looks about upsets. I've gone crazy upsets before. <laughs>
2: I, you know what? But the thing is, no, I'm just I saying think it's, it's that not crazy. that big of an upset. Yeah. No, it's not. Both teams are not great. I mean, I think San Francisco is better than the record indicates. But I like how Carson Wentz played against Lamar Jackson. I don't think the Colts have much of a defense, but... I think the offense is playing shootout with them, and when you can do that, I think you have a chance. So I'm going to say Colts <laughs> is my upset for this week. That game, Sunday night, be there or be square.
1: Yeah, I originally had the Jets over the Patriots as well, but in the interest of not doubling up on upsets here, I'm going to go with the Eagles over the Raiders. I think. Um,
2: I'm glad I didn't pick that one now.
1: Yeah, otherwise I wouldn't have known what to do. Yeah. I would have had to go with someone, but that was my backup just in case. But... I don't know. I think I, I'm a huge Jalen Hurts fan, and I'll take that one to the grave. I really like Jalen Hurts. I think, you know, the Raiders have two wins on the Eagles. They're 4-2. and two. The Eagles are 2-4. and four. But, I mean, I like what this Eagles team has. They definitely need to gel a bit more, and I think Jalen Hurts needs to improve as a passer. But... I think they can do it. I think the Raiders are kind of in this weird spot with Rick Passaccia taking Barely over. Barely on the
0: cusp of what we would consider an upset.
1: It is. It is. And like I said, I would have gone with the Jets, but I, in the interest of not doubling you, up you. With can you can double up on the show when it comes to upsets. There's nothing. There's no
0: rule against that one.
1: Yeah, there is no rule against it. I just wanted to provide some more perspective. You just don't want to lose your place. No, I just wanted to provide some more perspective. Like I said, I would have gone with them, but I think, I think the Eagles were my backup here. Because I knew it was kind of on the cusp. And but I'm, hold on. I'm taking the Eagles.
2: Logan, I want to add to a point here because I, I, I just think I, I can't not talk about this. Um I can, I don't know how to how to pronounce it. Rich Bizaccia. Rick Bizaccia. Rick Bizaccia. Okay. Since the fire or since the resignation of John Gruton, I just feel like the Raiders have really not, you know, shown any signs of like deflation. I mean they they've continued to win. Granted, it was against Denver, but they still managed to win that game 34-24. Uh, remember, uh, the Chicago game was with Gruden as coach. Mm-hmm. That was their last loss Yeah. Uh, with Rick Passaccia. Uh, they managed to still win that game at Denver, which I-, I think we all know is not an easy place to play. So I will give the Raiders credit. I thought losing Gruden was going to be the death of this team. They still seem to be pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think that's credit to still having Mike Mayock, uh, involved in the GM offices, they were able to put together a solid roster, and uh, Derek Carr has been uh, had a solid year this year. But I just think the Raiders are one of those teams where the roster's so stacked and they've they're so together as a team where it's going to be hard for them to beat, uh, no matter who the coach is. But yeah,
1: the Eagles are always an interesting pick to me because they're really good in the trenches, so they can win pretty much any game. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back. Your college football minutes. So
0: all this and more on Hot Corner on KCU any point FM and KCU FM.
1: Indoor baseball, anyone?
2: Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
1: Now that I've gotten on the Internet, I'd rather be on my computer than doing just about anything. It's really cool. The Internet gave us a whole world of exciting new possibilities. So I guess this is a story of how it changed changed our lives. Change your life. Change the way you do the internet. Go like KCOU on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at KCOU and on Instagram at KCOU881. Stay up to date on the latest online content, events, giveaways, and more. You may be right. I think they're being followed now. Don't look. Just wait cool. So what are you waiting for, young keyboard warrior? The wonderful world of KCOU is just one click away.
0: We are now entering Week 8 of the Week 7 or Week 8. We're around that range because they have that stupid Week 0 crap.
2: Let's call it Week 1. Hey, I don't take care. it easy over there. Jeez.
0: A lot of things happening in the world of college football this weekend. Is we're going to start off. Yesterday was a big upset in the history of the Sun Belt as Appalachian State defeated number 16th ranked Coastal Carolina, according to the AP poll. You hate to see it. In their first upset over a ranked team since... Appalachian State beat Michigan in the year of our Lord, 2007. So there's some interesting things going on in the world of college football. As you know, Cincinnati rules up to the ranks of number two in the AP poll. Georgia's sitting at one, but there's also some question marks heading head around about the Big Ten. Iowa losing on Saturday really shakes up some things. Yes, Logan? Um, Coastal is ranked 14th. Coastal is ranked 16th. Ranked
1: 14th. Okay, They're I was 14th. wrong.
0: That's, that's a first on this show. But there's been a lot of... You know, flip-flopping the teams and weird situations that can push teams into the playoffs and push teams out of the playoffs. So before we get into that, we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about expansion. There's been some rumors being thrown through the grapevine, as I've heard through the great app known as Twitter.com. Twitter.com. That have told us that the Sun Belt of all conferences is looking at expansion, as sun well belt. as the American. The American, American as we know, was going to expand because they're losing. They're going to lose uh, Houston. Uh, US, no, UCF is still going to be there.
2: Cincy, I think, is No, still, UCF yeah. is going to the Big 12.
0: Cincy, UCF, and Houston, as far as I know, being the ones that are going to the Big 12, along mm-hmm. with BYU, the Independent, finally joining a conference for the first time since, I believe, 2012, since the last conference realignment. Conference USA is getting purged at this moment in mm-hmm. time. As you know, the American is going to take UTSA, Rice, North Texas, and... There's Florida Atlantic is the other team I believe the American is going to try to take, which, is, in my opinion, is a horrible, horrible, horrible decision. Yeah,
1: Rice and North Texas are really weird ones to me.
0: It's all about money in this situation, and that's what it is. They're taking those teams in North Texas because they want to establish the American as a market in Texas, which, if you're going to do that, at least UTSA is fine. They've established themselves as a decent organization in the last couple of years. They're undefeated and are ranked for the first time in school history. Rice has been a, a dumpster fire for the last twenty plus years. Yeah. North Texas has been, eh, at best, this is North Texas belongs in the FCS. There's a lot of questions I have for this expansion, but the big thing I want to talk about they here deserve to be demoted because we've we've talked we've talked the American one a little bit. Is the Sun Belt and its expansion looking towards Marshall, James Madison, an FCS school that's looking to make the jump into FBS, and there's one more team. That I'm just. And uh, there's a missing a Southern Miss is the other team that the Sun Belt is looking for
1: absorption. That's the big news. Yeah, James Madison would be really cool to have in the um, in the Sun Belt. I also wonder. I, I wouldn't be in the Sun Belt, but I wonder if anyone's going to take a look at NDSU or if they even want to leave the FCS. Because <coughs> I think they're another team and, that could this, make the jump. At this point, they can make the jump, but
0: it's more of where are they going to hold out for maybe a power five right away? Are they going to make that jump? There's been situations where where FCS schools have made that jump and then just then become they have to you pretty much become an independent at one point for a year, I believe. Yeah. And you set up a schedule. And there's some teams like Appalachian State who have made the transition to the best that they can. They don't schedule hard teams their first year, they schedule teams they know they can beat. They get their you know, their culture right, and then they join a conference.
1: Establish themselves here.
0: Yeah. North Dakota State, either they're holding out for a Big Ten offer or maybe even a Mountain West offer. That's one that I believe would make the most sense. They're gonna hold off for as long as they can because they're gonna enjoy winning in the FCS, even though they're not as great as they were, you know, when they had Trey Lance, they're still a decent program. But that's they're they're waiting on on some kind of invite from either the Mountain West, maybe even the Big Ten, I've heard that thrown around, but the Big Ten's got 14 teams. They're kind of got their hands full right now.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think where the college football landscape is changing right before our eyes, and it really is. Really is it seems like
0: every 10 years or so. I mean, pretty much 10 years ago to the date, you were seeing you know Missouri, A and M, leave the big the Big 12. The Big 12 kind of collapsing in on itself for the first time, and now being expanded again. You're looking at you know this could be the end of Conference USA. What that means for teams like. UAB, who's also, I believe, being offered by the American. But what does it do for teams like Louisiana Tech, teams like UTEP, teams that are just, you know, on that on the on the outskirts of that or of that of that conference? Do the work? Do they become independents? Does Conference USA do a merger, or do they try to recruit Liberty, which Hugh Freeze is not going to want to leave Liberty? He's some people have said he'll leave Liberty if they join the conference because of the money they make outside of it. Are they gonna start looking at more, more uh expansion at FCS, James Madison? Are they gonna start looking at, as you said, North Dakota State? There's a lot of there's a lot of different way ways this could go. And it's gonna be interesting to see how it turns out. For sure. All right, we're gonna take a short break. When we come back here. The final word. All this in hot corner on kcu Eight Hundred and One FM and KCU.fm. Look at me, busy as a bee. Where'd I get all this energy? Oh man. mm man. I don't sleep, and I don't eat, but I've got the cleanest house on the street. Oh,
1: meth. Mm, meth. Get ah, these hairs all out of my face. Get ah, these bugs all out of my place. One more hit, no time to waste. Oh, meth.
2: Oh mm, meth. <laughs> okay. Hey, this is KCOU. 8one FM. Are you trying to release the hottest hottest project of this year, possibly next?
0: Come
1: down to our studio in the Student Center, and we can mix, master, record, edit, engineer your whole project, your whole artistic experience wrapped into one visit. Please come down and visit us.
0: If any of this interests you, please email sessions at kcou.fm.
1: You know you make me roll wanna... back
0: when you hear that it means one thing time for my favorite segment and yours the final word as you know I pick a weird sport or sports story to talk about Michael picks a hero of the week and Logan sends you into your work day with a nice feel-good story So without further ado it's my turn it's we've been part. around the world I say this Central every time we've been around the world many times we've been now I can check off the Middle East. I believe we've, I don't know if we've ever been to Africa on on this show with weird sports yet, but we've been to Russia, we've been to Europe, we've been to Canada, we've been to America, we've been to South America, we've been almost everywhere. And this week we're heading back to my favorite place other than America, the country of Australia, for a competition known as tuna tossing. (laughs) Tuna toss is held as part of the Tunnarama Festival in Port Lincoln, South Australia, a celebration of the local fishing industry. The event was first held in 1979 and is still throwing strong to this date. The competition used to throw a a real-life, not life, but it was a dead, real tuna as far as possible. But since 2008, competitors throw a weighted plastic tuna instead. And actually... Excuse me, I'm wrong about that. They use a plastic tuna on in the initial heats, but in the final, they use a frozen 9 or 10 kilogram, I don't know the American translation for that, southern bluefin tuna with a rope handle threaded through its gills. No fish are killed for the competition, only undersized fish that have died naturally are used. The most successful competitors use a hammer throwing technique, spinning several times for unleashing the tuna the current record for the longest throw is held by Australian Olympic hammer thrower Sean Carlin who threw it 37.23 meters i'm assuming i don't know what that is in feet
1: <laughs> what really was the know. what
0: was the number 37.23 meters in 1998 carlin also throws the australian hammer throw record as well the women's record is 22.15 meters it was set in 2002 by hammer thrower Brooke Kruger the winners take home one grand, and second place takes home five hundred dollars.
1: Thirty-seven point two three meters in feet is one hundred twenty-two point one feet. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Not gonna lie, that, that's very impressive. What was the other one? I can. The other that one that, was twenty-two point one five.
0: I'm that is around seven sixty-eight. Seventy-two point six. Now yeah, a little close there. So, gentlemen, when are we going to Australia for a tuna toss? Uh, I, right I, I think I can win. Yeah, I can beat you, you guys. I can beat you guys. Oh, you could beat
1: us. I don't know if you could beat everyone else. I don't think yeah. I'm taking home a grand, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I could. I, I definitely don't have the arm strength for something like that. Yeah. How all big right, are Michael. these tunas? Um, eight to ten kilograms, I believe. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to throw more than twenty feet. That's all even all right, Michael. You're stretch. off.
2: Okay. Um. So I don't mean to flex, but uh, I literally just flexed in the studio. Um. So. I know Caleb Williams trainer, and it's just an incredible story with him. He's my hero of the week uh, for what he had to accomplish. He attended Gonzaga College High School in Washington, D.C. There was a lot of speculation. I'll keep this quick about him, whether or not he will go to Maryland or OU. He ended up choosing OU. The 18-year-old kid did not play his senior year in 2020 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. He had that taken away from him. We obviously know a lot of states on the East Coast in particular on the front lines of this had their seasons Uh, stripped from them largely because of um, various different reasons. And they also had some COVID problems as well. Uh, Williams committed to Oklahoma. He entered the game down by 18 points against Texas. And with that big old knee brace on like Aaron Rodgers, he comes back and he wins the game 55 to 48 in an incredible turn of events at 18 years old. He pulls that game off and, uh, OU students and student journalists reported that he was taking first-team reps. So we can, for the foreseeable future, believe that Caleb Williams will indeed be the starter for this Oklahoma center team. And you love to see it because there is not a classier guy, at least that I've noticed, uh, from the people who have been around him. And more a guy more deserving of the praise than he is. So congratulations, Caleb Williams, my hero of the week. What a story.
1: Mm-hmm. We love a good underdog story on this show here. My feel-good story this week story that made me happy. Maybe it won't have the same effect on everyone else, but it just made me smile when I was reading it. It's actually about a book written by John Bacon called Let Them Lead Unexpected Lessons in Leadership from America's Worst High School Hockey Team. And it chronicles Bacon's return to his former high school here in high school in Ann Arbor, Michigan in 2000 to coach the boys hockey team who was coming off a winless season. Not a great team, but he came in and reinvigorated the River Rats is their name, which I think is a great name. But um, he talks about, you know, it, there's a lot of um, business advice, which was interesting to me. Um, he talks about, you know, his view of effective teaching. And he says, you know, um, he responds to a notion that's kind of been disputed that teachers should be, entertain their students. And he thinks that's true. He thinks they should. And he says, that's why whenever I could, I swapped lectures for stories. Stuff like that, that kind of, you know, teaches effectively through entertaining. And also one of my favorite things that was... um That was talked about in this brief article about the book was a story about how the starting goalie and the backup goalie on this team were fighting. There was some issues between the two, some tension between the two. So Bacon said, all right, I'll put in the third best goalie. I'll put in the third stringer. Neither of you get to start and the third stringer actually played the game of his life. He played a great game. I wish I didn't mention the stats which I wish I had, but he pl- he played a great game, which is a story I really love that, you know, just put in your third string goalie and all of a sudden he plays a great game. So stories like that in this article just kind of made me smile and I hope it did the same for you, but I think that's a, um a funny story over there from John Bacon.
0: It's it's certainly a fun I I never I've heard things about coaches doing such things like this, but I've never heard a coach, all right, I'll put the third string in then. Like, Just the guts to do that. Yeah, I appreciate that. And that is the end of another edition of the Hot Corner. sure to follow us on our social media page at Hot Corner Sports. You can follow yours truly at Patrick and Logan at Living Like Logan, and Michael at Imami Michael. Also, to check us out on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and any other podcast services under the name Hot Corner. Hope you have a wonderful Thursday. And keep your eyes peeled. We might be on Sports Saturday this weekend. So until then, it's been Hot Corner signing off.
1: she's watching me with those eyes. And she's loving with that body, I just know it, and it's all-